I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And I have a special guest today that is joining me. Actually, she's joining us. And her name is Jen Nicole. And what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to talk about one woman's journey to help others to get free on the inside that is a very good story you guys are going to enjoy it and then also we're going to talk about how a teacher or if a teacher went too far in teaching the history of slavery to her students we're going to talk about that and more right here on necessary blackness podcast And I will see you on the other side. Stay tuned. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz-Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor. And when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness podcast. Stay tuned. This is a cool up cultivated roots media and I choose to tune into Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. Peace. This is Prince Culture Law and I stay tuned into Necessary Blackness podcast with Raheem Shabazz. Peace and power. This is reporting live and you're tuned in to Necessary Blackness with my boy Raheem Shabazz. Yeah, this is Professor Ed Garns, founder of the wonderful From Afros to Shell Toes and Sweet Tea Ethics. 
when I am not spreading liberation theology throughout my classrooms as an African-centered therapist, I am chilling with my homie, Raheem Shabazz, on the Necessary Blackness Podcast. It's essential. Hey, what's going on, man? This is Arthur Emma Henry here. Whenever I want to get the latest on politics, social life issues facing our black community, I tune in to Necessary Blackness with Raheem Shabazz. This is Shali. When I'm not in the gym, I'm checking my son out on his podcast each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Make sure you check out Raheem Shabazz. Peace and blessings, beautiful people. This is your girl, Ashton Brianna. Just wanted to get out here and let you know that Whatever you're doing, no matter where you are on Wednesday night, you can tune into Necessary Blackness, the podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, uh, where else? Anywhere. And you get to listen to me. So why not? Necessary Blackness, Wednesdays. Hey guys, this is Ebony G of Having My Say Radio. When I'm not having my own say on my radio show every Monday from 9 to 11 p.m. on Love 860, I am tuned in to the Necessary Blackness podcast with Raheem Shabazz. This is Chi-Town's finest, Khadidra. And when I'm relaxing, I enjoy listening to Necessary Blackness podcast with Raheem Shabazz. Yo, this is Cambino. And when I'm riding down Stony, all I listen to is Necessary Blackness podcast with my guy Raheem Shabazz. Peace. This is Zaza Ali. And when I am not studying the science of the universe and the laws of creation, I am listening to the big homie Raheem Shabazz on Necessary Blackness. Make sure you support. Peace. Yo, what up? It is the Mohawk and Real Talk and Living Fully Businessfully, Dave Anderson of the Business Fully Podcast. You know me when you see me. You heard me in these streets. If you haven't, that's just me breathing down your neck. You are listening to the Necessary Blackness Podcast with my brother, my homeboy, my main Number one cousin from another oven, my man Ryan Shabazz, man. Get in, get your mind right because it's necessary. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> now our feature presentation. So we are back from our commercial break and we're going to jump right into it and not waste no time. We're going to go right into our story about Eccentric Richardson, a powerful black woman who overcame a lot of strife and is now using her gift and talent to help inmates overcome their trials and tribulations. I'm going to have Jen Nicole read an excerpt from an article from TheRoot.com about Eccentric story. After staring at 15 years in prison on three counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon with an intent to kill, and after her ex-husband and the father of her children committed suicide in 2013, Richardson decided to dive headfirst into her one true passion, poetry. The criminal case was dropped and the matter expunged from her record, but the experience changed her. Eccentric Richardson is a poet, writer and cultural arts programmer in Pompano Beach, Florida, who somehow finds the time to save the world in her spare time. Her, quote, free on the inside, end quote, program goes inside Florida's toughest prisons and helps inmates find beauty, power, and hopefully themselves. Quote, we started in June 2016 with 67 prisoners who we worked with, allowing them to share and develop their voices with fellow inmates. It quickly grew to more than 200 people in three correctional facilities in Florida. We have Dade Correctional Institution, Homestead Correctional Institution, and our main hub, Everglades Correctional Institution, end quote, said Richardson, adding that Homestead is a women's prison. 
Free on the Inside works with level five prisoners, the most secured prisoners who are often incarcerated for the harshest crimes. Richardson explained that the program is transitioning towards focusing on 25 inmates in each facility who want to use writing and poetry as a therapeutic outlet. FOTI hosts writing workshops and seminars during each visit, followed by an open mic during which the incarcerated participants can share their stories. This is a very compelling story because it resonates with me personally. As one who has been formerly incarcerated, I know firsthand what it is not to feel free. And I also know what it is to be able to tap into your talent and be able to bring out that talent and make it manifest and do things that will turn your life around. How did you think I became a filmmaker? I wrote my first screenplay while sitting in Woodburn Correctional Facility. So, Jen Nicole, what is it about this story that intrigues you? I think this is a great story because this woman, eccentric Richardson, she has faced a lot of obstacles. Her husband committed suicide. She was getting ready to go to prison for 15 years. I mean, she was sitting up in jail getting ready to go to prison for 15 years. That's like a lot. That's like, that's life-changing, like the article said. And I think that the fact that she decided to start doing poetry and the fact that she decided to have an outlet such as poetry and not only have that help her, but she decided to take that back to the correctional facilities and help other people. I think it's amazing. And it just shows the strength, the continued strength of, of black women um, because she is a black woman. And um, the fact that, like I said, she can go through all of these obstacles and still make her way back to the correctional facility, the last place that she probably wants to be at, but she wants to help people get free. And I think that some people may be listening to this, this, um, this podcast and they may say, you know, well, how can you be free behind bars? Well, because freedom is a mental thing. It's not a physical thing. I mean, not really, you know, in the sense that you can be um, behind bars, but that doesn't mean that your mind has to be behind bars. And so eccentric through poetry through spoken word, she's helping inmates, male and female, um, tap into, you know, their talents so that they can express themselves and free themselves from any pain that they harbor, any, um, hurt that they harbor, any regrets, anything that they can free themselves so they don't have to live with that and also live behind bars. So at least they can live behind bars and start thinking positively, start thinking about the future, start thinking about the, what am I going to do when I get out? And then for the inmates that are serving life sentences, it's helping them maintain themselves and their mindset and just their mind in general because they're never going to leave, you know. But if you have the right mindset and you manifest your own destiny, you could possibly get paroled even if you have a life sentence. I mean, at the end of the day, in my opinion, you know, um, nothing is permanent. You, anybody can end up being 
you know, having a life sentence. But if it's meant for you to get parole, God will make that happen with the help of you possibly manifesting your own destiny and only thinking positive and thinking and saying to yourself every day, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be free. And I know it sounds really surreal for some people like what? But I think that the willpower of somebody, if, the, if somebody's willpower is really strong and that's all they think and say and, and believe, then I think it will happen. And so um, I think that she's teaching them powerful tools to just maintain themselves, their mindset, their integrity, you know, their dignity behind bars. And I think that that's the most powerful thing anybody can ever teach these inmates. I think it's wonderful. Not only do I think that it's wonderful, I think that if we had to compare her to one of our great leaders or one of our ancestors, I would say that she is a modern-day Harriet Tubman on a mental level because she is actually freeing people from mental bondage and taking them out of that death chamber because that's what essentially jail is. For anybody that has been there, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know um, if anyone has any relatives there, but that is a living hellhole. We actually call it the belly of the beast. And for those that think that you're not living in prison, you are sadly mistaken. Malcolm X said that we are all living in prison. Some of us is just behind physical bars. And one thing that we got to be mindful of is that we shouldn't be ashamed that we went to prison. We should be ashamed that if we remained in prison. And that's on a mental level in your mental mind state. So what else it is about this story that um, you want to discuss? In the article, um, Eccentric says the program is not only therapy for the people inside the facilities, but also serves as a form of reconciliation and release for her. She said to the, she told the root.com, I used to be angry with no outlet. I'll repeat that. She told the root.com, I used to be angry with no outlet. So just think about that. How many people do you know right now that are angry with no outlet? outlet. I know a lot of folks. There are people that have outlets that are still angry. There's people that has riches untold and they're still angry. So just imagine the magnitude of anger that one uh, has with inside himself that don't have none of this. She also said um, one guy told her that he had been inside prison for 16 years and he had never stepped foot in in the chapel and for the first time in his life he felt free and this is behind bars in a chapel that's really powerful because he was out in the world before he got in prison and he did not feel free and for him to say stepping in the chapel and going through her program that he felt free for the first time and he was behind bars, but he's saying he felt mentally free. That just goes to show you like what Raheem just said is that just because you are, you know, you're not in prison doesn't mean that you're not in prison mentally. You know, you're not in prison physically, but that doesn't mean that you're not in prison mentally. Um, And that is how this, this whole concept makes sense about, you know, setting people free behind bars. Because again, freedom is not, it's not a physical thing. It's a mental thing. Like Harriet Tubman said, I would have saved 
a lot more slaves that they would have known they were slaves, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and I'm not direct quote, but a lot of people don't know that they are enslaved, but they are. And, um, I think this is, again, this is just really powerful. She also does workshops, open mics, and uh, she's going to have it where they can um, battle each other, like open mic style, which I think is going to be pretty cool. And then they've also created a six-week writing course to develop writing skills and in exit interviews. The program has found that many of the former participants of Free on the Inside, that's the program, the name of the program, use the concept of positive reinforcement and positive thinking as a way to channel and dissipate their frustration through communication. And they also utilize, again, prisoners who are in for life, like I said, and teaches them how to facilitate workshops on their own. Because if you're in for life, again, you can manifest your destiny and, and manifest you getting out of prison. Or if you're at peace with being in prison, I know that sounds strange, but some people are at peace with being in prison because they know everybody, they know where they live, they know they're going to get fed, and et cetera, et cetera. So if they're at peace with, with themselves being in there for life and they don't want to manifest the destiny of getting out, helping others is also great. And so um, this program, Free on the Inside, is also helping utilizing these prisoners that are in there for life, teaching them how to facilitate these workshops on their own so they can continue the program, even if the program happens to get defunded, because you know how these things happen where they can't get funding. You know, it's not like everybody's up and willing and ready to give money to a program that's helping prisoners. You know what I'm saying? Because we have this one way of thinking about people in prison like they're not human beings that are flawed like everybody else. That's not behind bars. So um, if the program, hopefully, I hope it doesn't, but if it does get, you know, defunded for any other reason, um, these prisoners that are in there for life are also going to be able to facilitate workshops and teach the others behind bars. Wow. I think that's phenomenal because what it goes to show is the power of human interaction. Each one teach one in order to reach one. She came in, she taught these inmates, and in return, they're going to teach other inmates and continue the cycle. And by continuing that cycle, what they are essentially doing is breaking the generational curse. Because there's a generational curse where we keep finding ourselves making wrong decisions that end us up in prison. Um, that's for some of us, but we also do know that there's a systematic plan to put us in prison. And a lot of times it's when we're innocent of any charges. So we know that to be a fact. Another thing that I would like to highlight is reading. Reading for me when I was behind enemy lines was for me a way to escape the trauma of life on the inside. Because if you get a book, you can actually transport yourself to wherever that particular time period or place or situation that you're reading about. And I think this workshop and what she's doing has that same effect on these prisoners. And not only that, lastly, I think that this shows the redemptive quality and that we all deserve a second chance. I don't know whether she was guilty or not for an aggravated assault charge with a deadly weapon and intent to kill her ex-husband who probably was putting his hands on her because, you know, domestic violence is real. 
She was facing 15 years in prison. She didn't give up. And in return, she came back to help those that was left behind. So if you guys are interested in checking out the program, it is called Free on the Inside. Um, the acronym is F-O-T-I. So if you want to Google that um, and check it out or donate to them, again, the program is called Free on the Inside. Acronym is F-O-T-I. And the woman's name is Eccentric Richardson. That's spelled E-C-C-E-N-T-R-I-C-H. And that's Richardson for her last name. So go check her out and support support her and show her some love. And give her a donation. Y'all need to donate to that sister and donate to organizations such as this that are actually putting in work, making an impact in the community instead of giving your money to Red Cross. Because you know when you give your money to Red Cross, we don't see it, right? All right, this is Raheem Shabazz with Jen Nicole. And I will see you on the other side after we take a quick commercial break. And when we come back from our commercial break, we have a very intriguing and impelling story. So stay tuned, family. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Real quickly, family, tomorrow, Thursday, September 21st, 2017, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. There will be a screening in Chicago for Elementary Genocide 3 Academic Holocaust. This screening will take place at Studio Movie Grill, and that's at 210 West 87th Street in Chicago tomorrow. Make sure you go to cultureconnection360.com and get your tickets. Also, October 27th, I will be in Richmond, Virginia doing a screening and lecture. You can get more information on my Facebook. Make sure you follow Raheem Shabazz on Facebook. Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are back. Our next story is about one mother who says she has a problem with the way her son's school is teaching slavery. Sade Carrington from Cerritos, California, was very disturbed when she got an email from her son's school, Whitney High School. Uh, and the email was basically saying that we're going to do a interesting, unique learning experience um, regarding slavery. And it involved her son and all the other students in the classroom being taped at their wrist and put in the dark, in a, in a dark room for a slavery lesson as if they were on the boat how the slaves came to America on the boat and they were all chained and, you know, put together. And they were also going to include a clip from The Roots and Charday said, uh, no. And her eighth grade son um, told her that he had heard about the experience from ninth graders. And in the article from BlackButterflyBeautiful.com, she doesn't exactly say that her son was not okay with it, but she was not okay with it. And she posted on Facebook a message to open up a dialogue about the disturbing history lesson. And she basically said that 
Specifically, when the class starts, the email reads, we will sternly tell them to line up outside the classroom using masking tape to tie their wrists together, make them lay on the ground inside the room, which will be dark, shoulder to shoulder with each other. Boys and girls are in separate rows. And then while they lay there, have them watch a clip from Roots. Carrington, who of course is African-American, told Huffington Post on Thursday that upon receiving the initial email, she cycled through feelings of disbelief, denial, and finally anger. She's basically pissed and she feels like this is an irresponsible teaching lesson. It's manipulative and dangerous at worst. And she feels like because her son is the one of 19 black people at the school that is predominantly Asian and white, she feels as though he might possibly... um, experience trauma if he were to be involved in this experience and she's not having any of it so she went to Facebook and she posted all of the emails that that all of the email correspondence that she had with the history department and the history teachers that are doing this and basically the teachers said we've been doing this for 10 years at this school, Whitney High School in Cerritos, California. And nobody has ever complained, even though we understand you as a black female, we understand you feeling some type of way. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. They said, you understand, we understand you feeling some type of way about, about this, but we could trust assure you that, you know, your child's not going to receive any trauma from this. And this is, this is it. This is a lesson that we got from you know, a, a, a supply of higher lessons that people have done basically across the country at other high schools. Basically, that's what they're saying and that this works and they do it because they have a school that's predominantly Asian and white and they want them to really, um, to their best, you know, ability, if they could feel the experience or at least imagine it or they can't really feel it, but at least they can, you know, get some type of feeling of how it might have been you know of course that's not exactly how it was but of course how it might have been and basically she's mad and this is an interesting story because I've seen comments online and they vary from people some people agree with the mother Charday, and other people feel like she's doing too much she's overreacting and that this is a show me lesson because a lot of people dismiss slavery and a lot of classes show videos they show roots and it doesn't really seem to work for some students not all at this particular school these teachers are clearly to some degree in my opinion woke for them to even have a for them to even have these kids go do anything to this extent regarding slavery shows that they do care meaning they want the students to really understand how bad slavery was um, their method of doing it is not is not for everybody, but they're saying the school's saying that you know they've been doing this for ten years and nobody has really ever again they don't have a lot of black students though but maybe some of the other black students their their parents maybe they thought it was a good thing, um, so yeah this is this has garnered a lot of buzz online because it's kind of like a hot topic should. Should should these schools be doing these type of ex- experiments or should they just be showing videos and talking about slavery and calling it a day? What do you think works, Raheem? Now, one of the things you said was that the parent, the black parent said she didn't know if this was a good idea because her son may feel trauma or it may cause trauma to her son. Well, let me tell you something. He's going to learn what trauma is today. 
And I don't think that this classroom experiment is going to really show him what trauma is. And if you're trying to shield him from that, it's going to happen regardless to whom or what. When he goes out in society in Southern California and he encounters one of those race soldiers masquerading as a police, oh, he's going to know what trauma is. When they call him nigger, where's your license? He's going to know what trauma is. Another key thing you said is that this has been going on for 10 years and white America is still racist. So I, I don't believe that this experiment is working. I don't believe that it will work. Um, I, I, I would think to just tell them to watch one of the 5,000 <laughs> slave movies that's already on the market. You want to know about slavery? Because I, I think doing this experiment is not going to really show the breadth and depth of what actually happened. I think they can get more from a movie. I, I don't know. Now, see, when you said that, like, white America is still racist, it's not working. This is one high school in Cerritos, California, that has 1,200 people at the school. I mean, one high school that's churning out maybe, like, what, I don't know, like 10,000 or something or so over the 10 years, you know? I mean, that's 10,000, 10, and this school's not, it's white and Asian, predominantly white and Asian. I think that these history teachers feel like that's that's their way of doing their part, and I think that they feel like the old way of teaching slavery, meaning just showing them videos, doesn't really resonate because, let's be honest, I mean... A lot of, like, Django was not even a real, it wasn't even based on anything factual. And it was, like, kind of like low-key a comedy at the same time as it wasn't. So, I mean, like, slave movies are kind of, like, played out with teaching children about slavery. I think that teaching children about slavery, you have to be compelling. You have to, like, bring something new to the table to really have it resonate with them. You have to be a real interesting person in general. You have to know a lot of information. And to really teach slavery, you have to just really know what you're talking about. Because when they see that you got answers on spot and you have to look through books, they know you know what you're talking about. And they may feel, you know, they may connect with it more because they see how passionate you are about it. And, and I think that's what a lot of teachers tend to forget nowadays, too. It's like when you're passionate about your topic that you're teaching, most kids take to you. And they take to the lesson because they see, wow, my teacher really knows what they're talking about regarding this. They're going in. You know what I'm saying? Like no other teacher has. And I love this. And I'm learning so much. You know, like one comment on this article was talking about, you know, some you need to do they need to have a show me session, meaning that you need to kind of like you need to, you know, reenact kind of what this may feel like just even in the moment. And I think that we could take we could even take this back to and I'll give you an example. When they were doing the sit-ins in the South at the HBCUs, a lot of those students were doing sit-ins in the, in the 40s and 50s in the South. They had to reenact at the schools how that sit-in would be. Remember before they did the actual sit-in. So they had to be spitting on each other and yelling in each other's face. And, and, it, and so 
basically my point with this is is that if there's nothing to this, then then those kids at the HBCUs in the 50s wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have reenacted that before they actually did it. There's nothing to this. There's something to actually going through something, even if it is mild, even if it's not the real thing. If there's something to that, it's like an experience that you'll never forget. It's like an experience. So that experience may lead to some of those students really rethinking and rethinking the way that they they think and see black people and, and our history in this country. You know, that may rethink the way that maybe some of us are the reason why we are the way that we are. Um, it may rethink like the way that they just see slavery in general, which is what we need. And I think that, to be honest, I think that more black students need something like this than white students because a lot of black young black children are very disconnected from you know our ancestors and from slavery and they act like those are different people that they don't know that don't look like them like they act like they don't know i mean they don't know anything about it and so and that's a serious problem so um i think that there is like well like like you said Raheem there is no trauma he's going to experience trauma being a black man in America like you know what I'm saying this one class I mean the ninth graders that told him about it I mean they're still alive they're still hanging I mean they're still walking around so and they were you know alive enough to tell him about the about the class I think she's really trying to be protective because she homeschooled him and she's now a paralegal, but she homeschooled him. So she's a protected parent, which is good. And I do think that our children's mental state should be protected. But there is such a thing as overprotection. And I do think that, like like you said, he's going to experience trauma when he gets older, one way or another, being a black man in America. So, you know, why not go through this? Maybe this will make him want to research slavery and read books on slavery after going through this experiment in class. Who knows? Maybe it'll make all of the kids, white, black, Asian, all want to research slavery and do more, learn more about American history. Speaking of American history, I think that it's a noble idea to teach these kids about slavery. Because in my time of going to school, we was taught about Christopher Columbus. And y'all know that's bullshit. We wasn't taught about slavery. So I, I will say that that is a good thing, that they are now being taught about slavery. And everybody's experience is different. And sometimes when I, when, when I um, give my opinion, I give my opinion from my experience. And I was saying that, you know, I don't think this experience is going to really show them Everybody's different. It didn't take experience to show me the horrific nature of slavery and the psychological effect it has on us as a people. All I did was watch the the, the uh, movie Roots, read the books, and different things like that. But I know this is a new generation, and we are learning differently. So, I think you won me over. I am all for this experiment. I mean, like everybody, every child learns differently. So some children, like for me, I never had to do an experiment like this to really feel passionate about slavery and learning about it and knowing about it and thinking about it. I never had to do an experiment like this. But some kids may. They may have to really be in the dark 
with some with some tape on their wrist, listening to Roots, and really feeling like that black person. Like that may help. That may actually help them. Like be like, whoa, like this is real. They really went through this because I think that a lot of people just really don't realize that slavery really happened in this country for four hundred years. People were beat, raped, abused, tortured, couldn't read. They were basically held hostage like dogs for 400 years, not allowed, they bred them. I mean, this is this happened in this country and I think a lot of us really don't, we don't really actualize this in our minds. It's like a mythical thing. We have movies about it, we talk, you know, but we don't really feel it. Like we don't feel it like we do the Holocaust. I feel like we feel the Holocaust. We don't really feel slavery. When we talk about slavery, a lot of black comedians make jokes about slavery. Our people, we don't really talk about slavery how it should be talked about, where you don't make fun of it. You know, like the Jews don't make, you know, Hebrews, Israelites, the Jewish people in America, they don't make fun of the Holocaust ever. Like it's never a joke. No Jewish comedians. If you see a Jewish comedian making fun of the Holocaust, send send that video to Raheem because I have never, ever seen a Jewish comedian talking about the Holocaust in a negative way. Because, I mean, in a, in a, in a positive way, I mean meaning joking about it. It's nothing light to be t- to be laughed at. And I think that, you know, um, in America, we've laughed about slavery to keep from crying. And that's our problem is that we've never healed because we don't want to talk about it and we don't want to really get deep. And so I think that, you know, we have to start somewhere. I also want to say that, you know, um, Charday, Miss Charday Carrington, the mother, she also reached out to an Africana professor at one of the local um, universities in Long Beach out in California, and they offered to help the social studies um, teachers basically do a new curriculum revolving around slavery, maybe changing it up so that it could, you know, suit all of the parents. I don't know if they're going to do that. Again, they did offer dialogue with Sade though via email or in person, but they did not say that they were going to stop doing it. I mean, they've been doing it for 10 years. And and honestly, guys, I mean, this is something that I personally would have to see in person to really give you a hard no on. I cannot sit here and say that I don't think this this that I don't think this experiment should be happening if if I have not seen it for myself. You know, I've had to I have to be in that room and experience that and see the see the students after to really say no. So for now I'm just like okay, I'm like, well, maybe maybe it maybe it's maybe it's something new. You know, like maybe it's something new like the teachers that rap to their, you know, that rap their their lesson plans to their students. Maybe it's something new. Who knows? Who knows? I would personally love to be a fly on the wall in that room and experience that with the kids to really give you a hard a hard yes or no whether I agree with this experiment though. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you feel like this experiment is something that is good for students, once you drop us an email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail and let us know your thoughts. Because oftentimes, the only experiment or experience that a lot of these young white youth and Asian youth have of the black American experience is through rap music. And you know, we above and beyond that. And it's one thing to teach them 
slavery history, but we also have to be mindful that when we're teaching them that, that we're teaching them that slavery was history interrupted and that we didn't come here as slaves, that they bought kings, they bought queens, they bought locksmiths, they bought lawyers, they bought doctors, they bought people from all walks of life, and they turned them into slaves. So as long as that narrative is being put out there, then I'm all for it. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast. 